Welcome back to Hoopsville as we continue on in the marathon show. Uh, we are in our seventh hour now and working our way towards the end, believe it or not. Still ahead, uh, we've got Gordon Mann and Scott Peterson joining us to do the women's top 25 breakdown. Uh, we'll also hear from Dave Hickson, uh, former Amherst head coach and a nominee for the Basketball Hall of Fame. And then it's got our happy hour. Uh, the next segment I've been kind of giddy about for a long time, well before tonight's show. And the reason I say that is because... Um, well, and, and we've had great guests today. Don't get me wrong. But this one has been working on for, I, I'd have to go back and look. But I got an email that rarely can do I get an email where I nearly drop the phone or spit out my drink when it comes to Division Three. This one did. The, cat, the subject line said Fred Rogan. I know who Fred Rogan is. I didn't understand why he was emailing me. And at first I thought it was spam. But I looked at it and realized it wasn't. It was legitimately Fred Rogan from Los Angeles. He has been in sports in L.A. for 40-odd years. He's been in radio. I've watched him on the Olympic coverage. I've watched Fred Rogan's heroes more times than I can count. This was amazing. Why the hell is he reaching out to me? Well, it turns out his son was in small college basketball, including especially Division Three, and he had grown to appreciate the sport, and had started watching the show as a result. Blew me away. The conversation we promised to have got delayed by COVID for lots of good reasons. But we finally had that conversation, and it was a blast to have that conversation. And I hope you enjoy it. We sat down yesterday, and he joined me on the Hoopsville Hotline. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's Fred Rogan. Yes, Fred Rogan. Joining us here on the show, I, listen, I've gotten a few national broadcasters on. I'm always honored to do get that, but sir, this is this is pretty cool for me. I've known you for a long time from, from afar, and I appreciate you, uh, A, reaching out, and B, being a part of the show. Let me tell you something, Dave. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of the show. Uh, I listened to the show, and uh, it's, it's really nice that you invited me to do this today. You know, I, I've always believed, and I've been in Los Angeles now 42 years. And I've been very blessed to do network stuff. I've done Olympic stuff for years, uh, NBC Sports, traveled the world. I always believe sports at its purest form and purest level is with young people. Here in Los Angeles, we've done something called Rogan's Heroes. And uh, it's our most branded element. And what we do is showcase high school kids. And on Thanksgiving, we have a show called Rogan's Heroes Thanksgiving. And we take the top kids, high school football players, and then we have them attend a Thanksgiving meal. Oh, that's cool. And we shoot a show around it. And uh, we have like five kids now in the NFL since we started doing the show. And, you know, one kid didn't go to the NFL. He became a doctor. So I always say uh, tomorrow starts today. So I love youth sports. I love watching kids compete. I love showcasing them. And really D3 is, is a level very much like that. When we look at D3 athletes, there's an exception here or there. But the, the reality is that's going to be the end of the line for them competitively. Now, they could go on and become a captain of industry, an attorney, uh, be very successful. But for those individuals, that's probably the end of the line in competitive athletics. I always say in Division I, they call them student athletes. I've always said, always said, no, they're athlete students. They're athletes that go to school so they can play and have it paid for. Now with NIL, NIL, they're getting paid right. to play. So Division One is just um, a refined level of the pros at this point. Mm -hmm. 
But Division Three, I think, is still pretty pure. Well, and and you see Division Three student athletes, as you say, excel at something other than sports, and that's to steal the NCAA phrase. In a lot of ways, I'm always blown away. Um, I don't know where this is airing in the show, but you know, John Jay, men's basketball player, who's uh, basically going to become a career firefighter. He already is as a volunteer firefighter now. I mean, Vegas. This is a little bit weird, but Vegas. You know, their GM and and head coach now, both D3 student athletes at John Carroll. Um, yes, they're in the pros, but they're not playing. I mean, there's there's an element of the brainiac side of this that that I always appreciate. And that's what I remember when you reached out to me. You said, listen, you know, we're involved out here. I get it. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Fred Rogan's reaching out to me. I mean, am I getting spoofed to, to some degree? But when you dove in and said how much you love D3, I went, oh, yeah, this is – this is I Fred and I got to talk. Yeah. You, you've gotten to appreciate it. Now, you've already seen it. You got the Skyac out there, but you've gotten to appreciate it much more from a personal perspective. Yeah, I have. So we've had the Skyac out here at D3 basketball, D3 sports, since I've worked here. And now, of course, it's the Skyac. Uh, but my son, Jack, uh, currently is playing at Chapman. It's his final year. He actually has yet another year of eligibility, believe it or not. But as we always say, Jack, you can't be 36 with four kids playing college basketball. <laughs> I mean, there's a point where we've got to say that's the end of it. Uh, but uh, he started, actually, he was uh, uh, the MVP of the Marmani League, and he was all CIF in high school basketball. He played at Calabasas. Uh, great shooter, uh, quick. Uh, you know, he's like six foot and change. Mm -hmm. uh, athletic. He wasn't going to be a D1 player. Coming out of high school, he had an opportunity, which he accepted, to be a preferred walk-on at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. And uh, for him, I mean, my God, he was in the Pac-12. And coming out of high school, he played very, very well. And he got to Arizona State, and we were all excited for him. And he quickly realized there's a difference between playing at Calabasas High School and having Lou Dort on your team <laughs> at Arizona State. <laughs> I mean, that's who you're playing against. Yeah. And he couldn't get off the bench. I went to those games because I'm from Phoenix originally. And uh, I watched. Do I think he could have, you know, fired a few up? Absolutely. But do I think he would have been um, highly successful at that level? At that time, I do not. So he thought about it. And he uh, had some people contact him. And they said, you want to play? You're a player. And he said, yeah, I do want to play. I thought I wanted to be here, but this is not for me. And there are kids, by the way, that go and they are walk-ons and they sit on the bench for four years. They get their degree and they're thrilled. Yeah. And 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 on you know senior night they get to play five minutes. Right. Uh, he wanted to play, and he should have played. And that's how he actually ended up playing D three basketball. He had options to go different places, but you know we're in Los Angeles, so he came back to California. And he went to Redlands and he played out there and they had a Jim Ducey was the coach. Tim Bross was the assistant and they had a really successful season. I mean, they lost two games they shouldn't have lost. And if they hadn't lost those games, they probably would have received an at large at large bid to the tournament. Sure. They got beat in the championship game. Uh, things were great at Redlands. Then Jim Ducey retired and uh, they brought in Eric Bridgeland from the Pacific Northwest. I think it was Whitman. Yep. Brought him or even Whitman. Highly, 
Yeah, highly successful. He came in and he wanted to rebuild the program in his own image, despite the fact that they had a very good team and lost in the championship game. I think it was their first 21 team in oh. many, many years. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, many, many years. And what he did is he got rid of everybody. He just told all the kids, you're done. My son, he said, yeah, no, I want you to stay. But at that point where everybody was gone yeah. and the way it was being handled, my son said, no, I, yeah. I don't want to play here. Tough choice. Yeah. Yeah. So again, he moved on and he ended up at Chapman, which has been a, a terrific fit. But and Chapman is having its best year forever. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I have got to really appreciate D3 sports. Ralph Perez, who's the soccer coach at Redlands, very successful. Yes. I, I used to do LA Galaxy play-by-play -play on the radio. Oh, okay. And he, was the he was a color analyst. Oh, very cool. So I got to know Ralph. Uh, as a matter of fact, he just called me yesterday to say hello. We haven't talked in a while. So, yeah, I do. I am a fan of D3 sports, and I do know them. Well, we'll get into the Skyhawk in a bit, but I'm just curious on the overall scope of things. We look at the Skyhawk and we look at L.A. and we think, geez, I mean, just buried. I mean, I, I worked in the TV business in a market 25. You're market two. You've got UCLA, USC. I mean, we can start going through the UCs just on its own within, you know, a stone's throw from you and you go a little further and you got San Diego to the South and obviously stuff to the North and a little bit East. How, it's gotta be hard for the Skyac not to stand out, but to even get a blip on a lot of radars. Yeah. And it is to be honest with you know this, the athletes playing at the D three level here in Southern California, Skyac, they do it for the love of the game. Absolutely. They do it for the love of the competition. You know, you're not, ex they're not expecting, they're thrilled if anybody acknowledges or recognizes them or, or gives them any publicity, but they're doing it for the love of the game. And the thing you have to understand, and it, with the example of Jack, you can be an athlete. That doesn't mean you're playing in the NBA. Mm -hmm. You can be an athlete and it doesn't mean you're going to play in Europe. You can be a very good college athlete. There's no shame in that. There's a lot of pride you take in that. And it's something you carry with you for the rest of your life. And the one thing you find with athletes, they're focused, they're dedicated, they understand commitment, they understand work ethic because they have to do it. They're part of a team. They all want to succeed. When we hire people at NBC here, uh, the, the person in charge of our photographers, so I look for former athletes because these guys get it. And the guy, for example, I travel with was a D3 basketball player years ago here in Southern California, 6'6", uh, big guy, he gets it. And when I work with him, his work ethic, his dedication, his commitment, he's on time. He knows what needs to be done. He goes that extra mile. That's what, that's what competitive athletics teach you. And those are the lessons that you carry with you throughout your life. Well, and then add on to that, the responsibilities you need as an academia you know, you need to be on class. You need to be on top of your studies. You need to be on top of your grades to, to even get the right to play. You it's not easy. I, I have to tell you what. Yeah. It's not easy being a D3 athlete. I know at Arizona State, um, if somebody struggled in a class and one of their professors wanted to drop them, 
you're not dropping them. Mm. It's that simple. You're that's not going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Yeah. We're not going to have anybody academically ineligible. Right. And I'm sure that goes on at all D1 institutions. Oh, sure. In D3, no, it's very different. They'll yank you out of practice. They will take yes. you out of practice if you're missing an assignment. Yep. Yeah, and there's not going to be any appeal there. There might so be a tutor to help you, but it's not like you got a whole team of them. No, and, and you might be lucky to have a tutor. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you got to do this on your own. Yeah. You're a student first and an athlete second. Yeah. I, um, it, it's And it's just so much fun to watch because the kids are so competitive. Yeah. And they want to win. Um, and, you know, you, you want to know, Dave, the difference between watching a D1 college basketball game and a D3 college basketball game? I'll make it real take. simple for you. Um, and if I look at my son, for example, he's a shooter, point guard. When he receives the ball in D3, he can either go to the basket or pull up and shoot. Right. He can do, he can do either one. In D1... And in D3, when he gets it, he's got a second or two to make that decision. Yes. You get it in D1, you have no seconds to make that decision. They are on you immediately. They yeah, are true. right on you. So it, it's it's really the difference of, obviously, uh, physically height and weight, but just seconds. That's really the difference. Seconds. Catch and shoot. How fast can you let it go and hit it? You have a little more time at this level than you do at the Division One level. That's really the only difference yeah. in my mind. No, that that does add up. That that does make some sense. I mean, obviously, there's the there's the above the rim aspect of it, close to the paint, but sure, in I, the grand scheme of the game, right? Yeah, that's a great perspective. Um, Skyak, I'd love to get your take. You said Chapman playing really well uh, in that conference right now. Pomona Pitzer having a tremendously good season. So it was Claremont Mud Scripps. Can't forget Cal Lou having a pretty good year. What, what have you seen? How many games? I don't want to put you on the spot, but how many games can you even get to? Oh, I get to all of them. Oh, wow. I get, I think, I mean, I think I've watched because of work two on the stream. And one of them, I think it was because no fans were allowed in, but I get to them as does my wife. I mean, we're, we're at every game. Uh, so I know the conference very well. Uh, and I'll give a shout-out to start, and I'll get to Chapman in a minute, but I'll give a shout-out to Russell White at Cal Lutheran. Russell White was a very highly successful high school coach here, and uh, back in the day, he wanted our son Jack to play for him at Crespi. Jack okay. did not go to Crespi. So I've known Russell forever. I've known Russell from the AAU circuit, and uh, his his dream in life was to get that job at Cal Lutheran. Oh, really? Cal yeah. Now, Cal Lutheran's program... Uh, wasn't very good. Mm -mm. It wasn't. And uh, his Russell hire was kind of kind of people pushed back a little bit on. Yeah, yeah. But Russell White's a hell of a coach and a hell of a man. And uh, he went out there, and he went his first year, and he got his brains kicked in. Yeah. He just. And I saw him at a game, and I walked up to him and looked at him, and I said, "How much fun do you have?" And he goes, "Well, how much fun do you think I'm having, friend, <laughs> after going through this?" <laughs> so he he picked it up quickly and he would be the first to tell you there's an adjustment between coaching high school kids and college kids yeah and as i say to jack you're a man you're a grown yeah. man now you're a man yeah, you're not a kid anymore you're a man um 
So Russell has understood the process and put together a very exciting team. We beat them earlier in the year. We beat them pretty good. Jack had a good game against Russ. <laughs> and, you know, it, it never – every time Jack gets to play against Russ, he has a pretty good game against him. And Russ always looks at me and goes, really? Seriously? <laughs> Again? Thanks a we lot. Beat, we beat them pretty good the first time. Um, but they're, they are good. They've got a couple of kids on that team that are scorers. Um, they're big. They're fast. Uh, they're, they have made quite the impression in the Sky Act this year. I would say that Cal Lou has been the biggest surprise, but it's not a surprise to me because I've known Russell, West, uh, Russell White for so long. Uh, your son had 17 points on 6 of 13 shooting with uh, three boards, five assists, four steals. Yeah, pretty solid game. He did all right. Against three seventy-five yeah. win. <laughs> yeah, he, he did okay. We yeah, we got him pretty good that day. Yeah, no, you did. Your rematch is coming up. Um, yeah. Listen, this conference has gotten competitive. We've talked about it wasn't that long ago. Was it Pomona Pitzer back in the 2019-2020 season was carrying the flag for the conference when everything got ripped out under him? They were about to they, I mean, they'd gotten the big win over Emory in Atlanta. And they did were you about see that to, game? Did you see that game? Oh, yeah, I did. Absolutely. Did you see the it was play? phenomenal. Yeah, did you see the play that the coach drew up and they hit Boyle in the yeah. corner and he hit that three and they won? With a guy in his face as he's falling out of bounds. Right, and the play was brilliant. Oh, it was a great play. He, he ran into the key, picked up a screen, came yeah. back out to the corner, took the pass, one dribble, move, shot, get it. It was it was really pretty. Oh, it was it was the shot of the round. Yeah. And it, now they're going to Elmhurst, and and everyone's looking at it, going, "Listen, legit chance here. They're in Fort Wayne for the Elite Eight because they were playing that well a season. They'd had a couple tough losses to that Redlands team that we talked about. Um, they had lost to Whittier and they had lost to Occidental. That was it. I mean, they had had a tremendous season at that point. It was kind of the coming out party that didn't get to finish. Yeah, as a lot of them did. Now we fast forward now, and I look at the I look at the the conference. Pomona Pitzer's twelve and three. Claremont Mount Scripps is thirteen and three. Chapman's thirteen and two. Granted, against opponents, sometimes we can't get a good read on. So I'm curious your take. Are these are these teams that legitimately can do what Pitzer did two years ago and be playing at that level, or are they? What are we missing? Here's what I'll tell you about the Sky Act, the competitive teams. And the conference is very competitive this year. And even though some teams have better records than others, on any given night, it's really one of those years. Somebody can get you. Somebody can surprise you. It's very physical, Dave. It's a very physical conference. Interesting. I know from what I have observed in D3 basketball, a lot of it is speed. Uh, those teams in the Pacific Northwest are run-and-gun teams when I've seen them play. I mean, we beat Whitworth this year, and, and they play like the teams from up there play. No, we beat Whitman. I'm sorry, we beat Whitman. Whitman, right. Yeah, we beat Whitman this year. This is a very physical conference. they got some guys that can bang and bruise. Pomona's one of those teams. Pomona's got broad guys uh, that don't look like kids. They look like men. And when we played them the first go-round, they beat us. Uh, not our best outing, but I thought they shot 70% from the field. I mean, I, they couldn't miss. Yeah. It was mind-boggling to watch these guys. 
They're always skilled. They're always talented. They're always disciplined. They're always more than competitive. We'll, we'll get another crack at them. Um, I think they're real. I think we can beat them, but I think they're real. Uh, Claremont is another one. Uh, physical, broad, strong, uh, beat you up inside. It's not that traditional kind of D3 basketball. Yeah. They pound the ball in. You know, they, they can knock them down. Don't get me wrong. I think Claremont's got a kid that's averaging 25 a game. Um, I think he can shoot. And you know what? It's a quiet 25. You don't even realize he's doing it. But he's sort of an assassin. So they've got that with this physicality. We had them. We had them by 12. And I'll just say there were some questionable decisions made on the bench. And the next thing you know, we lose. I don't think that'll <laughs> happen again. Uh, but they're strong. They're physical. They will pound you. Cal Lou, besides being really quick, they're more of that Pacific Northwest style. But they've got some guys that can bruise and bang and beat you up too. So, and, and Caltech, you know, years ago, Caltech was a Caltech was a team that they made the kids compete in sports, right? Because everybody thought they were a bunch of nerds. They're the right. smartest kids in the world. Let me tell you what, they're not nerds anymore. No, they're, they they can come and get you, and they are precise in what they do. This year, Occidental. Now, for whatever reason, COVID, Occidental hasn't played a lot of games. I don't really right. understand why, but. We played them the other night. I tell you what, they made a game of it. They were right there at the end. Fast, very fast, shoot well. Aiden Williams, who was on that Redlands team with Jack, is now at Occidental. He's starting, and he he can really light it up. So I, I think there are some teams that legitimately, legitimately could make some noise. I, a frustration I have, if I can share it with you. Yeah, please. Is, you know, those of us out here in the little sky act, when it's tournament time, because we're on the West Coast and the NCAA doesn't really feel like schlepping teams, a lot of them from the West to the Midwest where these tournaments are held. Yeah. Right? Budgets. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You get screwed out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talk and, about it often. Yeah, yeah. You get shipped up to the Northwest or to Texas. Yeah. And, it, you know. I, I think there are teams out here, and you saw Pomona a couple of years ago. They they beat Redlands, our team, in the in the conference final. But I think we would have been very competitive in that tournament as well. But you just don't get those looks. And I'm wondering, I mean, how many losses can you really suffer? Yeah. And 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 get an at large bid if you're coming from out here. Because I'll I'll tell you one thing: if you're in the middle part of the country, hell, you have nine losses. You're in. Yeah. You deserve the right to be here. I know yeah, we mean. only have four losses out here. Well, it'll be interesting. Doc Esslinger now on the national committee, Caltech's head coach. You talk about Caltech being better. He's taken the page out of MIT, and they are overhauling and certainly have shown signs of how they can be better as an athletic program. He's now on that national committee. I do wonder how that pers perspective will be brought to the table, not necessarily arguing for his teams, um, just because he's going to be you know professional at it, but bringing that perspective because it's not just a Skyac, as we all know. There are certainly others who have been in the same boat who are in similar circumstances who maybe deserve that extra bid. And I think 
it's an it's a worthy argument to have. I'm curious quickly about coaching in the in the conference because you've had a lot of longtime uh, head coaches out there. Quickly, Charles Cass, uh, I can usually say it unless I'm thinking about it. Katia Ficus, um, Ken yeah. Sc- Scalamini, um, Mike Bukowski, who obviously your son is now under. Um, some of the longtime head coaches out there, Brian Newell, uh, obviously at Occidental, good coach out there. But then you do have the Russell Whites, you have the Eric Bridgelands, you kind of have a little bit of a momentum here of newer coaches coming in. How much has that changed things up out there? Well, I, I think uh, for Russell White, who has figured it out, it was an incredible learning curve in his first year. I think for Eric Bridgeland, uh, it's not going to go as well. And here's why. I've seen Redlands play. I've seen him play a few times. And um, he's playing that style of basketball that he played at Whitman. Yeah. Okay. That's not going to work here. It's just not going to work. The Mm. kids are too athletic. They're too strong. They're too strong, physically strong. And honestly, they're too smart. Uh, I think the style that got him to where he was, and he was highly successful there, looked like you you were watching an AAU game. (laughs) AAU ball. Okay. Right? We're going to spread the court. Yep. Spread the court. You got it. It's the old uh, give and go. Give me the ball, go to hell. I got it now. And now watch this move, everybody. <laughs> and, they're, and they're fast. They and are they fast. go to the basket. And the problem in this conference is guys are smart. The players are smart. And maybe it's because of the coaches. So all of a sudden, somebody breaks three to go to the basket. Two guys collapse on them. That's not there as it was. That shot's not there as it was when he was up uh, in the Pacific Northwest. It's just not there. Interesting. Um, he was recruiting a lot of California kids up there, so I assume that recruiting would stay the same. So is it just that you do have a variety of players down there and the sky just happens to go for one particular kind? I, I think there's a variety of players. Look, and you know this, at any level of basketball, kids are going to play in the AAU circuit. They yeah. are. If you're a D3 guy, D2 guy, D1 guy, everybody plays AAU ball, just what level of AAU ball you play. Sure. And we know what AAU ball is. Open the court and go. Look at me. Just go. Yeah. Right? Right. And, you know, one guy is trying to dunk and misses, and another guy puts it in. It's just run and gun, go. All kids like to be in that system. Everybody wants to be the star. Everybody. I got it. Do what you want. Go. Right. Right. That's AAU ball. That's not how the Skyac plays. The conference doesn't play that way. It's not this run and gun. So when you're playing a team that does that, the first thing you do is slow the game down against them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's how the Skyac teams play. Got it. So suddenly the game is slower. They can't score in transition. They can't get the ball and go. They're going to get a couple. Of sure. course they are. But I think if you look at the scores this year uh, of their games, they've been hammered a couple of times. Yeah. And that's very unusual for an Eric Bridgeland team. So I think it's it's the conference and the way they play. And the, the players are really smart. So they, they have the ability to switch off. They have the ability to collapse. And now when you do that, when you've got the ball and you're Redlands and you're going to the basket and there's two guys there, you dump it off, but the defensive rotations are different. So now somebody's on that guy, and suddenly you have no offense. Yeah, interesting. So now you got one guy playing one on one. 
right? Shot clock is running. What happens? You jack up a bad shot. You're out of position for rebounding because you don't really have any offense. You're just run and gun. Rebound, slow the game down, methodically score, play defense. I think that's the adjustment that uh, Eric's going to have to make out of Redlands. I'm curious, switching gears before I let you go, you you, you certainly knew about Division Three before your son was involved in Division Three. It wasn't like somehow the light went on for you. I know that. But I am curious, has your perception over time of D3 changed? Yeah. yeah. How, how so? It's, it's a better brand of athletics than I thought. I, I will say that. It's a better brand of athletics than I thought. Um, I would say the players are as dedicated as guys in the pros. It means the world to them. And I have an appreciation for guys that are doing it for the love of the game, for the love of competition. It's, as I said earlier, my son's not going to the NBA. That's not going to happen, okay? Yeah. Might he play overseas? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Right, depending. Maybe, maybe. He's doing yeah, it because he it. loves it. Right. He's doing it because he loves it. All of those kids are doing it because they love it. Yeah. And they love the competition. And that I have the ultimate respect and appreciation for that. Uh, you are incredibly busy. We're catching you uh, leading into the Super Bowl here. Uh, and on top of that, the Rams are in the Super Bowl. Um, which two years in a row after never happening is insane that the home team is, is, is there. You also have the Olympics starting up. You have your normal responsibilities as an anchor on NBC there. You also have a radio show. I, I, I'm not sure. Do you have a cooking channel? I'm not positive <laughs> if you can do any of that uh, or an enter any entertainment channel. How do you stay sane? You know, I've always worked like this my entire career. I started in radio, so I'm really a radio guy. As a matter of fact, I am going to get on and do our show here in L.A. And to prove it, there's a microphone. I'm in the radio studio right Very now. Very nice. Um, I've always worked like this. I was a radio guy at the beginning. I got into TV, fell into it, had some success in it. Uh, but I've always worked like this. I've always done both. Um, I think it's important to be on multiple platforms. Radio is a more freeing experience and television sure uh you have a better connection with your audience yeah uh but i love doing the tv because that's where knock on wood luckiest guy in the world i've i've made my living yeah um and and, and a nice one and uh, had some success um and i will do it until it's no longer fun i mean i've been here in los angeles for 42 years on tv i've done radio about 24 of those 42 on and off. Um, as long as I like it, I'm going to do it. We moved. I live four minutes from radio by car, four minutes from TV by car. Wonderful. 18 minutes walking either way. Oh. But the thing I have appreciated more as I've gotten older is there's nothing more important than, than seeing the kids compete. All of them. Um, in high school, my son played volleyball. I was there. My daughter was a cheerleader. I was there. Um, and Jack played basketball, and, and I was there. I, I just don't miss the games because at the end of it, when all of this is done, and it has been so, I've been so blessed to experience all of it, what am I going to remember? Yeah. 
I'll tell you what I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember Jack going off for 17 against Russell White in that game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you will. And you'll remind Russell of it uh, on many occasions in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, I know you're busy. I really appreciate the time you gave us here, sneaking this one in um, to get it on the air. I appreciate the the effort you made. Uh, I look forward to somewhere down the road, maybe reconnecting with you at some point. Love to get your perspective. Thank you very much for that. As always, we give the guests the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? I do. I do want to share this. Thank you to you. You know, you're doing this because you love it. You're doing this, and it, it is a labor of love to acknowledge and salute all of these kids that have uh, competed and, and that will continue to compete. Uh, you're not getting a ton of dough for this. Uh, but you do it because you love it. And it's valuable and it's important. And it means a lot to the kids. It means a lot to the coaches. And it means a lot to the parents like me. So my final word is thank you. Well, thanks. That means a lot coming from you, sir. Thank you so much. I've uh, watched you quite a bit in my career. And I appreciate the time you gave us. Look forward to catching up again. And uh, enjoy the craziness of the Super Bowl and the Olympics, sir. Thanks, Dave. I jumped out a little faster than I was anticipating. I, I had a tight but a tight edit on that, did I not? Uh, thanks very much for uh, for Mr. Fred Rogan for joining us on the show. <clears throat> Great conversation with him. Appreciate all the time and uh, for making all that effort. He was our hero uh, for this show, so I thank him for that. Seriously, if you don't know Fred Rogan, <laughs> please look him up. Lord have mercy. Uh, great sports broadcaster. Uh, great. Again, someday I'll do more justice to the story of the email, which I still have that I got from him. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk women's top 25 as we normally do on a Thursday. We'll do our double take. Gordon Mann and Scott Peterson will join us to do that double take with their deep dive, dubious, and uh, debatable teams. Still ahead, Dave Hickson of Amherst will join us to talk uh, about not being a head coach anymore, but being nominated for the Basketball Hall of Fame and some other stuff. And we still have the happy hour starting about 8 o'clock. I, I don't know who's going to be joining us. I really don't. No idea. We'll find out soon enough. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks to all of you for tuning in, and we'll be back with more after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. 
No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We're back live, as my microphone clearly decided to react to. Uh, I don't know. I, I give up. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag hoops, ho, Hoopsville. I, what did I just say? Join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. I think that's what I said. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on the Blue Frame uh, technology page uh, watching. I don't know if you can interact with us there, but Facebook.com slash Hoopsville has a simulcast and YouTube.com has a simulcast. Blazer Bobcat watching the show in Albany, Virginia, or Albany, Georgia. Albany, Virginia would be a very different place. Um, appreciate him taking the time to do that. Great conversation with Fred Rogan. Again, I want to thank him. He won't be a, a one-time affair on this show. I'm quite confident. I'm quite confident we're here from Fred more times on this show, which was great. Uh, great chat with him. All right, let's talk, as we always do on Thursdays, about the top 25 on the women's side. And, of course, this week it's a little bit different because we have a new number one team. Last week we were debating how many might still vote for Hope. The answer is three. Three people voted for Hope, number one. Hats off to them. I, I give them credit. I, I don't see the fault in that decision at all. More people voted for CNU, which, amazingly, we had a conversation on the show. Was was that you know a good vote or not? It, Whatever. It's it's up to those voters, and we appreciate their perspective on that. But joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Gordon Mann and Scott Peterson. We haven't gotten this duo together, so this should be fun. Thanks, guys, for taking the time. I know you're busy, and I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, I've only got a couple more hours left in the show, so it's no big deal. I appreciate you getting me through about 30, 40 minutes here. Um, all right, first and foremost, uh, Gordon, you're you're the uh, guru on the poll that is the poll. Um I, my little fun thing was that outside the preseason poll, Hope was unanimous the entire season until this week, and then Randolph-Macon took over on the men's side. So we've had a unanimous number one almost the entire season here. But from your take on the women's side, are you surprised that Hope didn't stay number one? Are you surprised who did become number one? Are you surprised at all, or were you just waiting to see how the chips fell? 
No, I wasn't too surprised. Um, you know, Christopher Newport uh, was a pretty solid number two in terms of the number of people had them number two on their ballot. It wasn't like they were number two because the votes were split among, among a bunch of people. Um, I, I think that if you are uh, undefeated and in a play a conference schedule that is not noticeably weak, right? And you're not playing in the SLEAC or something like that. You're going to, um, that the more you win, the more you'll move up, right? And so Christopher Newport, I was not surprised that they were number one, uh, that they moved into it. I get to see the ballots as they roll in. And the first four ballots had four different team number ones. And just, and that one person who voted for Transylvania was the only person who voted for Transylvania. So it was not indicative of a trend. Um, but I had trying one. I'm one of the five trying voters. Uh, my reasoning was uh, I had trying higher than Christopher Newport to start. So I, I didn't, I didn't really think a whole lot about Christopher Newport as number one. To me, it was down to, to trying or hope. Uh, and I just split the difference from the fact that trying won the last game, the most recent one. Um, and so if I'm voting on what teams are doing more recently, that's what had happened. And I know the first time they played Trine was a little shorthanded. They were missing a couple of players. I, you know, it's always hard to tell in this environment. So I think everybody for hope was there. I don't know. Maybe there was somebody who was missing and, and I didn't realize it, but it looked like Morehouse had his full complement of 10. And I know Trine was a little shorthanded. So the reasoning was if this is Trine at full strength and this is hope at full strength, maybe Trine is actually a little better. I get that. That uh, makes sense. Uh, Scott, curious. Uh, if you were voting for the top 25, who would you have put one? I would have put hope number one, but it, I would have been debating hope versus trying. And I don't know that there's a whole lot in them at the moment. So, um, and if you look at how the votes changed, Christopher Newport gained hardly any votes. They they gained eight votes, but hope lost 49 and trying gained 44. And so the mo movement was more due to that hope trying game and what the voters thought before than this giant reordering after the fact. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So new number one, we'll see how it all plays out. Obviously, Hope and Trine could end up in what is now the eight-team MIA tournament, as they just announced today. Uh, they will be moving to eight teams on all of that. Um, I'm trying to see. I thought there was a date, but I, it doesn't say on the tweet. I'll have to look at the story in more detail. But uh, not surprising, a lot of conferences moving to full inclusion. Um, interesting enough, Landmark and Centennial, the ones I'm closest to, have not seem to be indicating they're going to head that way, but we'll, we'll wait and see to see if they uh, do or don't. Uh, I feel like they should, but whatever. All right, let's talk uh, deep dive, dubious and debatable teams. Uh, I'm kind of curious uh, your takes on these. So this will be fun uh, to say the least. Um, Gordon, I haven't had you on in a while, so we'll let you go first. I'll let you go deep dive or dubious and let us know what your selection is. Okay. So we'll go, I'll go, I'll go deep dive on a team that I think is, is a little off the radar and maybe deserves a little more attention. And that's the, uh, the Ithaca college bombers. Um, I have them on my ballot. I'm the only Ithaca college voter. Um, so it's, it makes it easy for me to, to identify a team here. <laughs> what I like about Ithaca college is um, about their resume is I have Scranton relatively high, a little higher than the, than the poll has them on average. And Ithaca beat them by 22 points. It yeah. was in the second of the season. That should be taken into account. St. John Fisher has been a top 25 team for most of the season. Ithaca beat them by 22 points. 
Uh, Ithaca does have losses to a Portland, to, which is their rival, and they played them two games after Scranton. Uh, to Vassar, which I know has played a quality schedule. Uh, to Rochester, who just beat NYU. So I, I could sort of reason away those three losses. Three is a lot, unless you're in one of the you know superpower conferences. Um, so I understand why voters don't have them on their ballot. And I, I also... Ithaca is a team that when they make the tournament tends to be a really tough out in the first or second round. They're just a very tough defensive minded. Uh, Dan Raymond always has his team ready to play and they always play the NESCAC teams, which is usually who they get matched up with pretty tough. So I, I felt like uh, there was a case to be made for Ithaca to be in the top 25. By the way, I got an email earlier in this show making that same argument to me from somebody saying that they felt Ithaca oh. <laughs> deserved some attention. So I found it appropriate that you brought that up and he, and he brought up a lot of what you said, uh, especially who they had beaten so far. By the way, I, I've seen Scranton firsthand. You and I have chatted b- briefly. I, I think they're a good team, not as good as I've seen them, um, mm-hmm. but an interesting team, but still a significant win over them to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Scott, any reactions to that before giving us your, your uh, choice? Um. My research yielded a lot of the same talking points. I think they're trending up. I'm going to put a little more stock in recent games and they've won 10 in a row. And a lot of their losses were um, pretty early in the year. So I think that that matters. I would still have them in the thirties, but looking down the list, um, there's 12 teams that receive votes, including two top 25 teams that I, that I would have below them. So, I mean, it just shows like there's, there's a lot of range and difference, right. Between, voters and we've all got different opinions and things that we're looking at, but I, I definitely think that the deep dive is warranted. I think they should be on more radars than they are currently on. Um, and it's hard to know if they're severely undervalued because they're just not receiving any votes yet, but yeah. It's interesting. I feel like maybe <clears throat> this time in the year, we've got more women's teams to consider for the top 25 than usual. And, and it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Who's your deep dive, sir? Mine is Smith, the Smith College Pioneers. So they snuck into the top 25 at number 25. Um, they're 15 and two, which is kind of average if you're looking at the top 50 to 60 teams, um, winning percentage wise. They do have seven wins against teams in currently in Massey's top 100, um, which is eighth most. Um, so they've beat some quality opponents. I hate drawing just an arbitrary line in the sand at 100. You, know, you could draw it at 89 or 104 and it's similarly <laughs> arbitrary, but you got to draw it somewhere. Um, their strength of schedule is kind of average, um, but they're great rebounding. And I, I find that great rebounding teams are teams that I like to put more stock in as we get closer to the tournament. Um, so because of their solid wins, I watched that whole game versus Tufts and they looked basically indistinguishable to me. Um, Smith shot well, but they were, fundamentally sound very patient and got high percentage shots basically throughout the game it wasn't like they shot the lights out from three and that's why they were in it against tufts um and i would push them up into my top 20 gordon thoughts on smith yeah i i this is uh we're not generating a whole lot of heat here but i i agree with uh with scott i have smith i think i have them 24th or 25th so i have them right about where the poll was the thing that gave me pause is the best team they played they they got blown out. They got beaten pretty handily by Bowden. And I've watched Bowden a couple of times. And I don't think the polar bears are very good offensively. Um, I don't have them on my ballot. I haven't had them on my ballot for a while. Um, and so the fact that that game was not close gave me a little bit of pause. Uh, obviously, 
the vote was taken before they played Tufts. I did watch some of the Tufts game too, and I had the same opinion Scott did. I thought they were very closely matched with Tufts. And if that game gets played five times and twice in Medford and twice in Northampton and once on a neutral court, it might be two, three or three, two. So I thought they were, I thought they were, I was, I, I, I always feel a little nervous when a team comes into the pool and plays a game that night because <laughs> you hope they don't get stomped out. And uh, a lot of times the pool gets released right either right before a game goes final or right after. And so I, I felt like their 25th, uh, their 25th vote was, was warranted. I hope the other pollsters do some, some pollsters do react very heavily to wins and losses. And I could see someone saying, well, they lost, so they have to drop. Some people have that kind of perspective. If you lost, you have to drop. I thought that was a good loss. I thought it was a close loss. And I have watched Smith uh, earlier in the year, and they have that they have that cohesion that I, I is something that I kind of am biased towards. Where players are playing the position that it looks like they should be playing. You know, Pukunk is a really good player. She plays forward. They have guards who can dribble and shoot, and um, they look like a well-rounded team to me. And you know, it, it's a it's almost an aesthetic. <laughs> Uh, sort of preference, but I do think if you have players who are playing at the guard position who really aren't capable of driving, uh, dribbling or players who are playing at the forward position who really aren't capable of rebounding, eventually it does catch up to you. Good takes. I appreciate it. Uh, certainly an interesting perspective on it. Uh, Scott, we'll go to you. We'll go dubious. So who's who would be your dubious pick who you think is maybe just a little too high? My dubious pick this week is Catholic. So they are 18th in the poll. Um, they are 15 and two, which is a good record, but I don't see a whole lot of quality wins on their resume. Um, Elizabethtown is the best team that they've played in a while. Um, the two games that they've lost, I think are the two games against the hardest teams that they faced. Um, and their underlying statistics are okay, but I just don't think it's great given their weak strength of schedule and other teams that don't have a strong strength of schedule, um, have a better point differential. I'm looking at Webster, DeSales, Roger Williams, Trinity, Texas, and Wisconsin Lutheran. And so if you're going to push up teams that have good records, but bad strength of schedules, I might put all of those above Catholic. And I think Catholic is more a team in the forties than a team in the low teens. Interesting take Gordon. Do you have a, you have a thought on, on Catholic who I, who I think is playing well, but I kind of agree that it feels like sometimes I'm missing something about them. Yeah, I have I do have Catholic at the top twenty-five. So I I did think they were a top twenty-five team. I have them. Um, I looked at the loss to Scranton and said, okay, I there's not a this is pre again they hadn't lost to Elizabethtown when I when we took the vote. Um, I did not think there was a big difference between them. I know Catholic led that game late and kind of fell you know fell apart at the end and and Scranton came back uh, to win that game. Um, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so I, I felt like they should be closer to each other in the poll uh, and where I had them. I, I felt it would have been weird to move Scranton up a lot without having Catholic kind of follow them a little bit. Um, the win over Salisbury. I mean, Scott's right. There's not a lot of the win over Salisbury is a good win. Marymount is an okay win. Um, they lost to Elizabethtown, which is the best team they they played. They beat Susquehanna, who had beaten Bates. Um, they beat them twice, pretty convincingly both times. Um, I, I really, that's, every time I vote, we have the list of games, and every time I, I look down the list, I really wish that Gettysburg Catholic game, which they tried to play twice and got canceled twice, would have been played. Uh, it would have been it would have been helpful. But I, I, could, I could see the point that Catholic is... Um, is maybe is is overrated. I, 
18 does feel a little high to me, but top 25. It's interesting. Every team you've mentioned are teams that I've either seen or been near this season that feel like they're not as good as we've gotten used to them in the years past. Gettysburg, Marymount, of course, obviously a coaching change there. Salisbury, uh, Scranton, I think's good, just not as good as they've been in the past. Interesting enough, the only one you mentioned I think's better is E-Town. I think E-Town is a damn good team. Now I think they may be on par with Scranton. I'm not sure if the Depends on which day you catch me on whether I think they're better than Scranton or they're not better than Scranton. I've, I've changed my mind more times than I can count. So I think Catholic's kind of struggling there where they've got a lot of games that in you were talking two, three years ago, really good results versus now maybe they're not as great, those results um, across the board. They're still 9-0 and in conference. So I understand well, right. they're not blowing not blowing people out, but they they are winning. But um, and, and to say that says something in the landmark where those coaches know each other and it is, it is tough. Yeah. It is a tough I think fight. The, I think I think the middle of the landmark too is better than it had been in Agreed. prior years. I think yep. I'm not sure Catholic is as good a number two as say Moravian was a few years ago, or maybe even Catholic itself was a few years ago. But I think E Town and Susquehanna are better than the three, four teams in that conference would have been, say, four years ago. And Moravian's kind of having a weird year, but it's Mary Beth Spurk. Right. Know, don't and and Drew Drew has some nice players i know they their results haven't always shown that but they are they have some talent yeah interesting debate there um thank you um all right so catholic's down that means gordon it's your turn on the uh dubious choice so i always get nervous when we have teams floating up or uh in our poll who are undefeated but haven't beaten anybody in a while uh and and wisconsin lutheran fits that bill um, now the, the the Warriors have two really nice wins early in the season, um, or one really nice win in the win over Milliken. Although Milliken has, it was a time when Milliken had lost three games in a row. Milliken got got beaten pretty badly by Illinois Wesleyan, so they certainly have that kind of off night in them. Um, and then the wins over WashU in Chicago for a, for a, a school that's in the Northern uh, Athletics Collegiate Conference, where most of those games are not going to be competitive. That really helps. I mean, that those those wins kind of validate that they are a, a good team. But I'm not sure. The thing I you, the worry part of it is they have not had to really play a very good team in a while. Uh, St. Norbert, I think, is pretty good. They're a, they're an odd team because they're so built on two really tall, big post players. It's it's not at all the you know three and D wings uh, up and down the court. It, it, it looks more like a you know, something out of the 1980s NBA sort of thing. Um, uh, but there are a lot of nights where Wisconsin Lutheran can probably show up with third strength and win by 30. Um, the, the bottom half of that conference is really, really weak. Um, and if your best win was over a team that I don't think is even receiving votes in the top 25 two months ago, would I take, would I take Wisconsin Lutheran to beat Catholic on a neutral floor? Would I take Wisconsin Lutheran to beat Gettysburg on a neutral floor who's not in the top 25? I don't know. I will say I have watched a little of Wisconsin Lutheran and Jenna Mason is a really nice player. And again, the pieces kind of fit together. The, they, they're not 16 and 0 because they've got one kid who's six foot three and right. scores 30 points a game because nobody else can, you know, can catch, you know, blocker shot on a step stool, right? It, it's not that sort of thing. They, and they, and they have had some success in the NCAA tournament, albeit a while ago. And they've had, they produced all Americans. Jen Dowden was an all American a couple of times. So it's a, it's a quality program. What I worry about is 
whatever flaws they have are never going to get exposed in that conference because they're going to beat Alverno 74 to 30 on an off night. Yep. And I think this is, um, we find this in D3, right? Just teams that aren't going to play the strength of schedule that allows you to, to have a really good idea of what they are. Cause they could be absolutely a top 10 team or like right where they're ranked, but we just don't know. Um, I kind of use Massey as a smell test and 10 of Wisconsin, Wisconsin Lutherans wins are against teams ranked lower than 200 in Massey. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that most of the top 50 would win all 10 of those games as well. Yeah. And so I think that's where 16 and 0 starts to look really gaudy, but is it that, is it that different from another team that's played 14 and two, but with, yeah. but with, you know, a significantly better slate that they played. It was the same reason I had held Springfield off my ballot. Um, because I wanted to see the pride play. Give me a win over Smith. Give me a win over somebody. Give me a win over somebody where I know you're not a good team playing a mediocre schedule. Um, And, you know, they, they lost twice. One, one game, uh, Christina Antonakakis, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, scored 44 points. So that was kind of a, you know, that could have been lightning in a bottle, but the thing with Wisconsin Luther is we're not going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> if they beat this, if they lose to St. Norbert, I'm going to look at that and go see, they weren't for real. If they beat St. Norbert, they almost can't benefit from it. Cause I don't think St. Norbert's a top 25 team. They, 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 they won't, we, we won't get to know how good they are until the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. They, they can't even run the table in their own tournament, really help their cause. From my perspective. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I listen, we know that they've shown in the past that they can be good. They're well coached. But they just don't have the resume that allows you to to just lean on it, and because you only can get so much out of it. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good example. The interesting thing with them will be where do they go in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, let's say they go twenty whatever it is, extending the conference tournament twenty eight. No, right? They host over Wisconsin Whitewater. They host over Simpson. Yeah, got to see that SOS numbers. Yeah. And, and everything else, because as we heard, there's you know results versus regionally ranked and quality wins and all that stuff's going to be important. They're not going to have a ton of that information at yeah. their disposal. Yeah, I mean, I don't think WashU or Chicago will be in the regional rankings. So that's not going to help. Milliken. I mean, we're going to get more teams in them, but the lower ones yeah. aren't necessarily going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's a good question. They may be on the road as an undefeated team. I think we'll, yeah, I think you could see, I don't think Transylvania is on the road is undefeated. I don't think Christopher Newport is, but I think Webster and, and, um, uh, and Wisconsin. Luther well, it's not unheard of Lancaster Bible on the men's side went on the road yeah. as an undefeated yeah. team. So it's certainly right. within the scope. It happens. Yep. Uh, debatable. Uh, I kind of like your choices. Uh, you guys went in some fun directions with this one. Um, let's go with Gordon's first one since we've mentioned them a few times. Go for it, sir. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I have Gettysburg uh, on my ballot. I think they're a little undervalued at at forty four. Uh, my case for Gettysburg would be um, Messiah is the team that moved up most in the top twenty five, and Gettysburg beat them again. You have to depend. Timing is everything, or timing is something at least. And how much do you discount the fact that that was the whatever the fifth game of the year? Um, I like the fact that Gettysburg has dominated their conference. It's not a great conference, but it's not a terrible conference. And they've beaten everybody fairly convincingly. Um, 
they play really good defense. They're they're they've got uh, quality post players. The thing that I understand makes gives people pause is they were not competitive against a Mary Washington team that's not ranked anymore. I mean, they lost by twenty, and it was it was ugly, fifty five thirty five. Yeah, it was ugly. I'm I'm almost in my reasoning, which I don't know that I'm applying fairly or equally, um, but I hope I am. Is those first games after Christmas coming out of COVID and the holidays were really weird for a lot of teams. And we saw a lot of weird results where Bates lost to Susquehanna and WPI in back-to-back games. And what may be the strangest result of the year at the end of the season, Whitewater lost to Carroll, who, you know, then followed that up by getting swept by Augustana. Um, so I, I, I think the debate here is if you don't believe the loss from Whitewater to uh, Carroll is that big a deal, then why would the loss from Mary Washington to Mary Washington be that big a deal? It's an interesting point. Uh, Scott, you go ahead. I've got one thought to add to it, um, but I'll let you go first. Yeah. And I put a lot, a lot of stock into good looking losses against strong teams compared to like blown out a weaker team. And like their first, it was their second game, but their first against a division three opponent, they lost to Christopher Newport by three on a neutral court. And like, is that more impressive than most wins against a team, you know, that's like in the eighties or something. Um, so, I mean, Gettysburg is 16 and two, they don't have a great strength of schedule. Their best two wins are probably in mid November. Um, and so I think it's kind of wait and see with them. Like, can they take care of Stevens and Johns Hopkins who are like fine, um, right. but, but even so like they would be in my top 25 right now. And then I might push them up closer to 20 if they take care of both of those wins. So I think I'm kind of on board that I think they should be a lot higher than they're currently valued at, but we don't have a lot of good recent information to go on. Yeah. Gordon, to your point about their conference, that is, I think their biggest issue. <laughs> Cause I see a lot of their conference. I haven't seen them yet. I'll see them near the end of the season. Uh, unfortunately I didn't get to see Hopkins. I thought I was supposed to be, <laughs> supposed to be at Hopkins or at McDaniel last night for the games against Hopkins. And then I realized that Goucher had a game and no, I was, would not be at McDaniel. Uh, I got to see an overtime game, but nonetheless, um, they got a blowout win against, uh, Muhlenberg who I think is an improving team and getting better, but they caught Muhlenberg when Muhlenberg was absolutely reeling with COVID issues and the like. So that doesn't help them. Franklin and Marshall's under a coaching change. They're a shell of themselves. That doesn't help them. Swarthmore can't read much into. Dickinson is tough to read into. They're 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 good. I, I like what she's doing there um, as a first-year head coach, but it's going to take time. Bryn Mawr's Bryn Mawr, Washington College. Okay, I don't know what to read into that. They got back-to-back games coming up this weekend against her sinus, by the way, who's now coached by Bobby Morgan. She's got some talent on that team, but it's not going to give you any measurement on how good Gettysburg is, to be blunt. It really isn't because um, they're just going to be overmatched at this timeout. Now, granted, Bobby knows Nate inside and out and, and will know what he's doing, but she doesn't necessarily have the talent ready to go uh, toe-to-toe with him. So you got a Hopkins game coming up at, at Gettysburg that I think will be a good measurement because I kind of think that Hopkins team is sneaky good. And that's it. So kind of to your Wisconsin Lutheran conversation, you don't have a lot on the resume that's going to answer questions that didn't come at the beginning of the year. And the funny thing is at the beginning of the year, I had a lot of people tell me Gettysburg probably wasn't a top 25 team. Right. So what do you make of that? 
Um, but good. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Nate Davis and his squad coming up here. Um, Nate Davis also on the national committee, just so everybody is aware. Um, what was your debatable? I just put the email down. Scott, uh, Redland, Redlands. Redlands. I love this choice because I think they're a good team, but well, they've had some bumps in the road here. Yeah. And I, th- I think I'm an interesting guest to have on because I, I'm kind of short on the historical knowledge compared to a lot of you all. Right. And that's so, good. right. So it's like a different, like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> no, um, exactly. But they're, they're 13 and two. So they've played a few fewer games than a lot of the teams. Um, but again, looking at Massey and with my arbitrary cutoff of the top 100, six of their 13 wins are against Massey top 100 teams. So their strength of schedule to me is strong. So they actually have a similar strength of schedule and winning percentage to Amherst and John Carroll. Um, and I don't think that they are as good as those teams, but it just shows like, I think they have similar ish wins and similar winning percentages. Um, their underlying stats are kind of average to meh. Lost to Claremont, Mud Scripps is not really a good one, but they've beat Wartburg, they've beat Pacific, they beat Pomona Pitzer twice, Willamette. Um, so to me, I don't know where I would put them exactly, but they feel like a team that should be getting at least one or two top twenty-five votes. Um, I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have them in my top twenty-five, but a lot higher than teams that do receive votes. Gordon, what's your take on Redlands? Yeah, so I was I, I I was the only Redlands voter for a while, and I dropped them. And now there's I think there's one person who has them at 24. I, I think they're um, I I agree that it's hard to have them on your ballot, or them not on your ballot, and Wartburg on your ballot. I don't have either, but uh, I I think given the head to head, you know that's an issue. I don't remember I, if if I know Amherst had a bunch of games wiped out if that was one of them or not. If they were supposed to play Redlands or not, I don't remember anymore. Um, that would have been fun. I, I, I think they, the Sky Act teams do hurt from the fact in the poll that they become their own little island very quickly and for a large. They're an island to start the season when they're playing Masters and, you know, La Sierra and all these schools that nobody knows anything about. And then they have this small window where they kind of join the greater world, mostly by the greater world, by the larger world coming to them, right? Everybody wants to go west to California to play. And sometimes they come a little east to Vegas to play at, at, at the D3 Hoops Classic. And because of the because of COVID and how it happened, that kind of that connection world kind of got wiped out this year. And now they're back in their own little bubble again, where you look at them and you go, um, you know, I, I've watched the Claremont Mudscripts team a couple of times. They have some they have some interesting players. They've, uh, they've got some nice post players. But I think you, you're a voter and you look at that, and you go, OK, you lost to Claremont and Claremont's eight and nine. You know, you lost this wouldn't have that voters wouldn't have had this information, but you lost to Whittier. Uh, now they, now they did last night. So um, I, I, I have had questions about Redlands and I do think that they, they suffer perhaps a little unfairly from the geographic isolation. If you pick that conference up and you drop them in the middle of New Jersey or Pennsylvania and more people saw them and they had a chance to play an NJAC team here, DeSales there, whatever, even even if they don't win all those games, I do think they that that helps their profile. No, I agree. Uh, Fred Rogan actually said a lot about that per the men on the last segment, yeah. but Rich Murphy said a lot of that a couple of weeks ago when we had him on. Yeah. Listen, I think they're a really good team, but they aren't doing themselves any favors either. So it it, it yeah. and I don't mean to be negative on that. I just mean the sense that you know got to work on the schedule a bit, and and that that'll make a big difference. 
And Redlands did did beat Wisconsin Whitewater in the tournament the last time we were in yep. it, and they did return four players from that team. So they, um, if there's anybody who's got the profile to make a run from that conference and win a game or two, uh, it, they're they're it. Yeah. Well, interesting. Just takes. T- uh, it's tough when you don't have it. information. What? Because like it's tough when you don't have as much information yeah. as you would like. Cause like you yeah. see Santa Cruz has eight games Still against division three opponents. So, and you're like, what do I do um, with this? Like right. against a great slate, but eight games is eight games. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good way of putting it. Uh, gentlemen, I appreciate the time um, and the insight and the takes. That's why I love doing this. And I'm glad we got you guys rolling on these things. Really fun to do it. Um, I know you got a, an interesting top 25 to vote on next week. Uh, as well, but any final thoughts uh, before we let you go, Scott? We'll start with you. Not sure I have any. Um, I'm just looking at the schedule and trying to see like what are going to be the the best games coming up. I'm not sure. I mean, Whitman and Pacific, I think play that might be one of the strongest ones the next couple of days. Um, yeah. So no, like elite elite matchups, but I think that that should be a very solid one that tells us something about both of those teams. Yeah, Gordon, your thoughts. Yeah, Scott's right. We're in a softer part of the schedule where after last week where we had hope and trying and then a really big Saturday. I mean, last night there was, you know, Scranton wins by Scranton holds on against Moravian and Whitewater rallies late against River uh, uh, against lacrosse. Um, but it was not a, a super exciting night. And I, I you know, um, for those who are interested in this kind of stuff, you've probably found the d3hoops.com message boards already. But if you haven't, um, there's been a pretty good conversation there this year, and, and Scott is a big reason why. He brings a lot of really interesting takes. Even just tonight is talking about wins over Massey 100 and, and trending up and down. And you can tell that he's Scott's putting a lot of thought in this. He's not Mr. Hot Take or whatever. He's got a, a cool approach to this. Uh, and most, perhaps most importantly, he's put himself out there. He said, here, this is what I think, and he's he's um, he's been uh, willing to to – take uh pushback and give pushback and it's just it's just been great so i've just um i just really have really appreciated uh what he's done this the, the women's chat's been fun it is I, i've thoroughly it enjoyed be, reading it, it could be really really boring you know it absolutely. <laughs> we're non-existent it could boil down to two questions how good is hope and why isn't scranton ranked higher and most years those are the only two questions we discuss and 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 a third question which we don't have to answer anymore which is why isn't thomas moore in division two well we were down <laughs> to they're two about questions. to be um okay. maybe no, why is amherst ranked as high as they are that's the fourth one yeah no yeah. but you're so right uh usually this the amherst question goes with the scranton one so you can kind of yeah, scoop yeah, it they're, together. they're usually related yeah <laughs> Oh, guys, appreciate it. Scott, no, you do do good work. That's why I've enjoyed having you on the show as well. I appreciate you guys finding the time to join. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your evenings. Uh, By the way, one note from last night, Randolph uh, on top of the ODAC beating WNL. That's that's pretty cool. But again, program record for the Wildcats. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Guys, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. Look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Take care, guys. Gordon Mann, Scott Peterson, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, We are keeping track of scores from around the country, and number one team in the country, Randolph-Macon, has got a battle with Gettysburg. Jeez, Guilford. Um, Listen, remember, we talked about this on Monday, that Guilford had a big set of games coming up, including Randolph-Macon. Was Guilford as good as maybe they looked like they were going to be? And if that was the case... Game against Randolph-Macon and others was going to be a telling sign. This game being played in Ashland at Randolph-Macon. 
Uh, right now, Randolph Macon has a 57 56 lead with just under two minutes to go, but it has been back and forth for much of the second half, if not the whole game. So, congratulations uh, there, and we'll keep an eye on that. We'll take a break. When we come back, Dave Hickson joins us to talk all things Dave Hickson. Not coaching anymore, basketball Hall of Fame nominee. What's he think of going on? I know he's watching games around Division Three, and and furthermore, maybe uh, maybe he's uh, enjoying um, some of the Olympics from a different perspective as well. We're taking a break. When we come back, we talk to Dave Hickson. Coming up, you're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're back on the air here. Continuing to watch the Randolph-Macon-Guilford game. Down to 48, 48.9 seconds left. Randolph-Macon's got a three-point lead. We'll keep an eye on that um, as we progress. we got one last book segment, and then it's the happy hour at 8 o'clock, and I'll freely admit, I don't know who's joining us at 8 o'clock. I sent out an invite to a bunch of people. We will start up the Zoom. We will see who joins us. We will see who will partake. Hopefully somebody does, and we're going to at least have some fun for an hour. I don't have plans to get past much past 9 o'clock tonight, mainly because I'm going to be exhausted. Uh, one of the guests uh, we had that I'm looking forward to tonight is Dave Hickson. Um, it feels like we always talk to Dave Hickson every season, uh, so it did feel a little weird reaching out and saying, hey, join us on the show. But on the flip side of that, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that we have him is, one, he's, he's a dean of Division Three basketball. Two, from what I'm hearing, he's been watching a lot of games. And three, 
He's a nominee for the Basketball Hall of Fame, something Steve Moore did as well that we couldn't seem to coordinate with Steve Moore. Now, bear with us. We're going to bring him on the show here. Uh, you won't see his picture just yet. we got to just jostle with a few things. You're just going to see my ugly mug as we talk to him. But Dave Hickson joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And, sir, how are you? And and thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, I'm great, Dave. And it's always good to be on with you guys. And I apologize for not Zooming. I uh, I have been watching games down here a whole week and and reading chat pages and everything else and all of a sudden, wouldn't you know, twenty minutes ago the internet went out. It's this place I'm staying and we are feverishly trying to get it back on. But here I am. So I'm glad to be with you. Sorry folks, got a weird echo there that shouldn't have popped up, but it did because you know, that's how we roll. Um, but we hear you, Dave. Thanks for, for taking the time. And I really do appreciate it. Um, kind of curious on a few things. First, you said you've been watching a lot of games and you've been reading the chat boards. So you've been lurking. You're finally admitting to what you were doing during the regular season, aren't you, sir? <laughs> uh, I always tried to avoid the chat pages. I really did. Every now I would read them in the spring for recruits and that sort of thing. People in there from the two same two or three schools and but um yeah i've been reading them and but more than anything i've been watching games and i've been watching certainly my guys my guys being like kevin hopkins matt uh goldsmith and and uh luke and aaron and those guys uh who are out there uh but i've also been watching uh, as many games as i can to try to get a flavor of uh i got a ton of friends out there you know and i i'll write them a note they're probably all chuckling go like oh god stop <laughs> but that's okay <laughs> I don't coach them. I just, all I do is just say, hey, guys, good game. Hey, kids played great, this and that. And so um, it's been fun. It's been a really fun, it's been a fun thing because when you watch a game, I used to watch a lot of film. I watch more film probably than I've watched games now, but it was all the same opponent. It was all trying to get ready uh, to give our team the best chance to win against that opponent. And now I'm just watching games and I love it. Uh, it's It's fun to get that perspective. Um, from you as well about it and it's fun to hear you talk about your former players and coaches I got to see Kevin Hopkins uh, just the other day in fact um, I listened to you I listened oh I'm to sorry you on, I listened to, no it was great I listened to you and I was going to text you and say hey I got you going here big guy so it was fun to listen to you fun to watch Kevin's team play really well uh, and so it was good you you should have texted us we needed another topic to talk about uh, <laughs> We were we were struggling a little bit for content after a while. The way Kevin was, his team was rolling through McDaniel there for a bit. Right. Yeah. Um, your vantage point from outside as non-coach, you said you're watching more teams than you ever have, and all those other things. What do you think of the game you're seeing out there and the variety or whatever in the competition? You know, it's all good. It's a little bit unfair because, you know, teams are out of balance, out of sorts a bit off and on. You can't tell who's going to be playing, uh, you know, never mind which games are going to be postponed or canceled or filled in on another different day. But you see a team and, and they're missing their best player. Or they're missing the two best players or they're missing the third best player or whatever. And so it's just a different rhythm. We lost you there, Dave. You've broken, you've broken up on us, sir. 
Did you move? No. We hear you, but we don't hear you. We lost Dave here. We'll keep waiting, see if he jumps in. We'll keep him unmuted. Just see if he jumps back in. By the way, quick score update. Uh, three and a half seconds left. Randolph Macon leads Guilford 60 to 56. So that game looks like it's going to be Randolph Macon's win after all. Dave, you back? We don't seem to have him. We'll get him in here in a second. I'm, I've got confidence. I'm not sure what happened. The phone seems fine, so I don't think it's on our end, but we'll talk to Dave here in a moment. Oh, yeah, we just lost him. We'll see if he calls back. We'll keep an eye on the phone here. Uh, the cool thing about the audio board is we can we can uh, bring in a phone call uh, as well as anything else, so fun to have that. So we'll see if he calls us back here momentarily because uh, I want to talk to him about the Basketball Hall of Fame, but I also want to talk to him about the vantage point of not being uh, necessarily a, a coach or a fan You're just or more as a fan. You get to just enjoy it. Uh, from that perspective, um, looks like he's calling back. So we'll just kind of do this cold call. And Dave, you got us, you got us back. Oh, hold on, I got to switch sources. That was me. There we go. Gotcha. Can you hear? Can you? Hear I me? can hear you. How are you? I'm good. I'm really sorry. I, I'm sitting in the same spot, but we got some issues, I guess, going on. So hopefully, we can stay on. Yeah, don't worry, sir. I understand that entirely. I'm, I get it. Uh, so we'd asked you, what's it like to be coaching? Uh, or not coaching, but watching games as a non-coach, as more of a fan. Yeah, and I was just saying that, you know, it's really hard for teams to get a rhythm this year. It's, uh, you know, the good players are in, good players are out. You know, everybody's got a half a team, a full team. You know, it just it's just been different and hard. I think it's, I have great respect for the coaches and the kids, you know, have endured this season only because not as bad as last year, naturally, but uh it's uh, it's just really inconsistent, and so but there's some really good teams out there who are playing really well, and it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, it is. It is it's a blast. It's been fun. I do I do get a kick out of every once in a while. I get somebody who who replies to me about something. Says, "Well, I was talking to Dave Hickson the other day about it," and I'm like, "Wait, he? How much is he watching? Are you watching more games or less games than in the past?" I'm watching. Uh, we're losing them again and i'm now paranoid it's my system you there i have a feeling you losing internet's affecting your phone calls Oh, he's breaking up on us. We'll give him a moment, see if he can get back here, because I want to ask him about the Hall of Fame, obviously. Um, obviously, Dave Hickson, longtime head coach at Amherst. Coach, can you hear us okay? And we can't hear him. I So, the you know, the great thing about internet now, Wi-Fi, is you can do your cell phones. And that's what we got here. I mean, we have no service Except our cell phone is fully connected to the Wi-Fi, so we get great calls. I have a feeling Dave losing his Wi-Fi has affected his phone calls a little bit. Yep. He's trying us again. Hang on a second. Let's see here. End and accept. We're trying to jump in. Are you there, sir? We got you again? Uh, can you hear me? We're connected. You there? I I'm here. Are you there? 
Oh, we're connected, but we can't hear. <laughs> great television, I know, for you all people. This is great I'm broadcasting. Really... This is great for the podcast. You're all sitting home wondering what's going on. Dave, can you hear us okay? Can you hear me, Dave? Oh. Can you hear me? Hold on. You're talking, but we're not getting you for some reason. Hang on. That was weird. Go try yeah, one more I time, actually... sir. Can I hang up and try again? Well, that's strange. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to try and figure this out because for some reason, I'm seeing audio bouncing in different places, but we're not hearing Dave. So give, give us a second here. We're going to take a quick break, figure out if we can solve this one. You're listening to Hoopsville? We've got tech issues. Of course we do. We've been in this show for eight hours. We'll be back with more after this. <laughs> great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back, folks. So we know we got Dave Hickson working. We're now wondering if there's another gremlin in place. We're going to try this one more time, the old, this the way we've got it set up. If it doesn't work, you're going to see old-fashioned ingenuity here, or just ingenuity. I don't know if it's old-fashioned. Uh, we'll, we're going to figure it out, I promise you. But joining us back on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach, a former head coach of Amherst. It is Dave Hickson. Sir, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right, well, everybody else can hear you. Now I can't hear you, but that's probably now on me. But that's okay. We're good. We're good. We're going to go with this. Okay. <laughs> good. Nope. Everyone can hear you but me. That. Okay. I, there we go. I hit the wrong button. That's what it was. We're that good, happens Dave. After, that happens after eight hours. Yeah, it does. It really does. Apparently, I've, I just breezed past a button, and it muted everything, and now I can hear you. All right. Hey, so the question I <laughs> originally asked you. <laughs> You're watching games from a different perspective now. Yeah. How are you enjoying it as a fan? And, and you were saying per the quality of the game? Yeah. Again, you know, it's uh, it's been up and down a little bit because, again, I have the greatest respect for the coaches and the, and the kids who have played during this, this tough time. And, and it's not as tough as last year, but it's still tough in that there are good players missing from night to night. There are games canceled. There are games postponed. There are games filled in. And so – it's really hard, but I have so much respect for what people have done. And, 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 uh, and there's some teams out there that don't seem to have been hit by it very hard and, and they're playing really well. And so, uh, some of the usual faces, but also, uh, just some, some new, 
some new people that have just really, you know, I do getting it done. And I'm, I've really enjoyed watching our own conference, NESCAC, and um, not very good at predicting outcomes, but uh, I try to. <laughs> How hard is it to watch your old team and not be involved? Yeah, I, you know, I think, and I've told people this, you know, I don't long, but the only thing that I sort of regretted at some point in time when you retire, you're going to leave three classes behind you of kids who you recruited, who you thought you might stay and coach you and who you wish you would have had the chance to coach. And so I watched Grant Robinson, Garrett Day, you know, Grant's having a great year. Garrett started out having a great year and he's coming back. Timmy McCarthy, you know, he suffered three or four injuries during the year and he's back now and he's really helping. And gosh, they got this kid, Baloo Aranye, who, uh, you know, I recruited and he couldn't play for me because he had a knee injury. He couldn't play for Aaron because his knee still bothered him. Then it was COVID. And all of a sudden the last three games, this kid is, has been the game winner for him. And so I love watching him. And so I never, I never say anything to him about play or minutes or anything like that, but I just congratulate them when they win and uh, wish them luck before the game. And so uh, I love those guys. So it's hard to watch them. <laughs> I tell you what, when they lost on the buzzer at uh, Hamilton, and it was an unbelievable game. But but, and I'm supposed to just—if that were two other teams, it would have been the greatest game to watch. But Amherst lost, and it was just really hard to watch us lose at the end. But hey, that happened. So yeah. it's uh, it, it's been fun, but it's uh, uh, watching your own team's always harder. And and uh, you know, uh, Marlins doing a great job with them, and and but they're still figuring people out. You know, they got 13, 14 guys that are trying to get in the game, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this kid Blue comes along, and uh, so I love it. Grant and Garrett, Timmy, those guys are having great years, and so it's uh, when they play well, you know, they can beat anybody in NESCAC. They beat Williams at Williams, and so it just shows you that. Uh, I think that conference is wide open, and you know, people need to be aware that Tufts is getting their stuff back together again now that they have their All-American and they could beat anybody. And so this is an exciting year. And I think a lot of conferences are like that. Yeah, no, good point. Um, I, I think a lot of us are more watching the NESCAC with more puzzlement because we can't read it very well. It looks very competitive, looks very fun, looks very exciting. We just don't know who the top team really is or who's going to emerge from it. Um, right. But I, I mean, I that's what makes too. it fun. That's what makes it exciting. Is there any games or any teams you've caught that you didn't get a chance in the past that you're now enjoying? Uh, there are, but just, just before I get to that, let me give a 15-second shout-out to Jeff Brown uh, up at Middlebury because, you know, everybody predicted him to be in the very bottom or the bottom three or something with very yeah. few returnees. And I'll tell you what, uh, he's got – really, he's got a great rotation because he's only playing, you know, seven or eight guys. Uh, but he's coaching the heck out of them. And so, you know, they're right at the top of NESCAC and can beat anybody. And, uh, you know, that's if there's, a, if there's a coach of the year in the early runnings, it's Jeff Brown. And so it's, uh, it's been fun. But I have to tell you, I fell in love with Yeshiva a year ago, uh, uh, two years ago it might have been, when they played up at Williams and beat Williams. And back then they just looked like a bunch of sort of mature 28-year-olds. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that that's how they play. I mean, there's something... You know, you get all these young kids that are so good, and then all of a sudden when they're 26, 27, 28, if they're still playing, they, the game slows down for them and they play it better. And that's how Yeshiva plays. And I've been, you know, just wowed watching them play. They play off each other. They run motion. 
they never get, uh, you know, they never get frazzled. Uh, they, they seem so composed and mature. And uh, so I love watching them play. They remind me of, uh, you know, some of the better teams I've seen along the way. UMass Dartmouth is uh, a team that I've loved since the beginning. I think they have offensive players that are really hard to guard. And uh, I've watched three or four games where they've beaten really good teams. And so I think, you know, people haven't given them much attention, but they're a really good team in New England. And, you know, then you have, you know, sort of the usual uh, the usual guys. I, you know, I watched, uh, who did I watch? I watched Keene State. Oh, play someone the other night. And boy, both teams were really good and Keene State lost. And so, you know, the usual powers. I saw that Keene lost to Eastern the other day. And uh, so, you know, Little East, a couple of real good teams. Babson, you know, people, Babson early lost games. But Stevie Brennan, he's been there before. He knows how to coach them. And uh, those kids just keep getting better every game. And watch out for them. WPI seems to have its way right now in that league, but uh, and and then uh, Billy Curley at Emerson, boy, he had some great wins early and had those kids really play in, and uh, so it's just it's been really exciting to watch so many people uh, that I know so well, um, coaches, and watch them coach it up and and make the most of things, and uh, it's been really exciting. Yeah, that's cool to hear your take on all that. That's fun to hear. Um... One of the interesting things in the preseason was to find out that you were a have become a nominee for the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's something that many of us in Division Three have been frustrated by, the lack of respect that D3 coaches have gotten. Uh, Steve Moore was a nominee, I think, a year ago, year and a half ago. I don't remember because the classes have gotten a little befuddled. Um, but to see you named on there and, and, of course, then the arguments for you to be in come roaring out you know, better winning percentage, more titles, whatever, than, than some of those who are already in the hall. What's it just mean to be nominated, especially as a coach who spent his entire time in Division Three? You know, it's an unbelievable honor. It's really cool. I I, uh, I actually was told uh, when I retired, uh, somebody had inquired about that, and some we checked on it, and they said, we have to wait five years. Uh, and I haven't retired five years, so I'm not really sure what that was. Now, if you're it's an probably a player coach, rule. Yeah, well, if you're an active coach, you can be put in. But it's supposedly, if you have a retired coach, you have to wait five years. Whatever huh. it is, all of a sudden now we're on like the second years again. We lose that COVID year, and it's hard to figure. But you know, certainly my congratulations to Steve being nominated. I would imagine that Glenn uh, is not far behind. I'm not really sure why he hasn't been yet. He retired about when I retired. Glenn Robinson, of course, he's got the most wins. But you know, when you total things together you know really what are they looking for i uh it's been an honor so on that on that poster of six people and not not to you know ignore the other four people but to be on the same poster is a man who ginobili is uh that's a treat in itself right there yeah that's pretty cool isn't it (laughs) yeah that was great and uh but we'll see you know we've got some people talking to people to find out just you know, what it takes, uh, you know, I think, I think we need to break through. I mean, I think somebody breaks through and then, you know, another guy and another guy gets in, but I think, you know, to, to break through, um, we got to that and whether it's Steve, you know, whether it's Glenn or whether it's me, uh, you know, I think again, my resume, I've had people put my resume up against a lot of the coaches that are in and the resume is better, but it's yep. division three. And, and I say, but, I don't say but, but they say but. It's Division Three, and yeah. 
so we'll see. I mean, I, you know, we, we uh, you know, we're going to give it a run. I got a few people out there investigating. I got some people in, you know, the pro game and, you know, I've got some people uh, in media people and they're just sort of like looking around to see what, what do we need to do to make this happen? And if we can make it happen, then you break, you break that glass ceiling and, and then maybe, you know, two or three people get in, but um, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's a lot of worthy candidates. Certainly the real question is, is the hall more, is it all division one and NBA? You know, I know Bob Stevens, division two, good friend of mine from uh, Bentley uh, got in a year ago. And so it's not just division one. So let's wait and see. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right, we're still working. We're still trying to find out the right buttons to push. Well, Maybe they need to expand the voting to appreciate small college sports uh, and not just the D1s and NBAs of the world. But right, you need you need to be a voting writer. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I might have that. You know, not, now that I think about it, as an executive member of the USBWA, I wonder if I do have a vote or can get a vote. I saw that when I saw that the other day, I thought that's the guy right there. He's got a vote. He's got to have a vote. I need to vote, investigate that. Wrong. I didn't think I did, but now that I think about it, maybe I do and I forgot about it. Because normally it's not relevant. Yeah. I need to look into that. There you go, man. Yep, there we go. Um, the Olympics start technically right now. Shockingly, I don't have it up on the big screen in front of me and distracted during this marathon because I, I'm a Olympics junkie, as you know. Your son has certainly done very well in the Olympics in the summer games in diving. And I know you were heavily involved with that. Um, and, and I know you enjoyed every moment of it. I know it's the Winter Olympics, so it doesn't technically relate. But what kind of appreciation do you have for the athletes that are Olympians, um, even if they are winter and, and you don't know those sports as well, from being so immersed in it yourself? Yeah, well, I can just tell you that basically from you know the age of, oh, I don't know, I think it was probably – when he really got serious, he was probably 13 years old. I mean, he was serious before that, but then all of a sudden he had to make decisions. One of them was mm-hmm. to give up basketball. And the amount of hours that you put in training and the amount of things that you sacrifice, but willingly sacrifice, um, you know, is, is, is truly amazing. People don't understand, you know, how hard it is to be an Olympian. And I'll stand in a room and I'll say, you know, with a bunch of college athletes and I'll say, hey, so who was the best player on that team in high school? And a lot of hands go up. And I'll say, who was the best player in their league in high school? And half the hands go down, but there's still plenty of hands up. They're playing college sports, of course. And, and then I'll say, and uh, how many people here are the best player in their state? And now there's virtually no hands at a place like Amherst, but maybe one or two. And then I'll say, okay, so, and how many people are the best player in the country? <laughs> yeah. And of course, there are no hands. So when you start to really narrow the focus down to be the best is, is amazing. And the amount of hours that you put into it and the sacrifice you put into it is, is amazing. And, you know, I felt badly for my son and for the other people that competed and the parents who couldn't go see their kids in Japan, of course, we were lucky to go to Rio and that was a ball as a family. But, uh, you know, Michael, uh, the whole COVID thing, I mean, you didn't know, first of all, if the Olympics were going to be on. He didn't know if it was going to be off. Uh, they literally were out staying at our house practicing because the Indiana pool had closed down. He and his girlfriend, his girlfriend is a Canadian Olympian who won her silver medal on the same day he won his in Rio. And uh, 
so it's all cool stuff. But anyway, so we go in and practice and we get to practice early in the morning because of, you know, people come in and, and we're not supposed to be in there or whatever. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so we practice and, uh, that night they say, Hey, Olympics are off. And she decides cause she's got knee issues that she's not going to swim anymore. Michael says, no, I haven't practiced this long. I'm going to keep, I'm going to find another pool. I'm going to find a place that I can dive. And he went out to Michigan where he's going to grad school and uh, they let him join in there. And, um, he took that coach, uh, the coach, you know, let him use the pool and helped him train. And then he took that coach to the Olympics and to the, all these things that he probably wouldn't have gone to before. So it, it's a great, uh, it's a great thing. And when I watch these people have to circumvent all the COVID stuff right now, it's just, I mean, I don't know how much you've watched the news lately, but you know, all of a sudden out of the blue, you know, you have to test four times or something. And if one of those comes up positive, you're out, you know, yeah. you've practiced for four years. Okay. And maybe this is the last shot in your lifetime. And here you are at the Olympics and now all of a sudden you're out. And I know it's a pandemic and I know that has to rule the roost, but I got to tell you, it's, it's really hard for these oh, it's uh, tough. athletes. Yeah. Yeah. It really, yeah. But you know, something, the joy of it is just amazing. And now my son is, uh, is done and he's finishing up in school and he's probably put on 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was pretty skinny. Let's be honest. Yeah. He, he was about 2% body fat and, uh, he was as lean as they come when it came game time. And, uh, but you know, when you're not training six hours a day, it's different. So yeah. it's, uh, that's it. That's good, true. Um, it's great stuff. By the way, I'm surprised he's even in part of the family. So he decides to stop playing basketball to dive. So that would have, that, that eliminates you. You're done. And then he goes <laughs> to the Olympics and he brings his Michigan coach, not his mom, who's a coach. Okay. So she's done. Like, how are the parents still talking to him? <laughs> well, I will tell you, we were up at four in the morning watching him. And much to my delight, while I was watching him at four in the morning, I thought, well, you know, that's too bad. It's, half a world away so it's four in the morning everybody else will watch it on replay i can't even begin to tell you the number of texts that i got from my former players uh, and her former divers uh who were up watching him dive and texting us at four in the morning which was yeah. just awesome yeah. I, I watched a little bit uh at that time i think i remember doing uh live uh, though it was not good for me but i was doing it um i remember thinking to myself huh we don't see the Hicksons on on NBC. Like they're not showing a, a camera shot. So I finally texted you. I finally it bugged me enough that I had to know. Okay, did you decide not to go to Florida? Did you not decide not to put a camera in your in your house? And I wanted to dive into all the details as to if they asked and how much did they ask and how much did they push and all that. And I realized, you know what, Dave doesn't want anybody seeing him at four a.m. That's right. <laughs> There's no way. I'm right. I wasn't even appropriately dressed, so there you go. Right. Why would you be, right? That's and there right. are some families who are doing that. I thought they were nuts. Well, I have to tell you just a quick little story that uh, so when he won his medal and finished, they traveled, he and his partner traveled Europe a little bit. And, you know, sort of coincidentally, I happened to, when I was coaching soccer at Amherst, in addition to basketball, mm -hmm. I coached. Uh, Albert Grimaldi, who's the uh, king, right now the king of Monaco, but was the prince of Monaco at the time. And so I set up for my son to go by and see Albert at the palace, and he did. Wait, hold on. You've never, in the years I've known you, 
You've never mentioned you coached Prince Albert. <laughs> well, it, it, Wait, it, it, what? Have you been on the soccer network? I probably said on the soccer network. <laughs> I'm only oh, kidding. I try and so avoid anyway, the soccer one. They don't like me too much. But so what happens is they meet, they have a great time. Albert, as he's leaving, says, hey, you tell your dad to get over here. So he's diving in Japan, and everybody's got masks on and stuff, and nobody can be there except dignitaries, in quotes. Right. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden Michael hears, Michael Hickson, Michael Hickson. He looks up, and with his mask on and stuff, he didn't recognize Albert. So he sort of looks up and, hey, sort of thing, and then Albert goes, Albert, come out of Monaco. And so now Michael realized who he was. Well, Albert sent us pictures of our son diving. So oh. amazing, amazing that a guy would do that, right? A guy in that position would take the time to do that for a former uh, That's coach. incredible. Listen, yeah. I thought so it was always cool, and sorry, I'm going to brag for a second, that I went to, the, I went to school with someone who almost became the, in charge of FIFA and is the brother to the king of Jordan. You've... You're, you coached the now king of Monaco. That's insane. Right. Well, I have to tell you that off off the show, I'll tell you a couple of cute little stories. That oh, you I really want to know. Enjoy. Oh, I want to know. I also want to know if you can hook me up with tickets to the Monaco Grand Prix. I'm just saying. Small, small <laughs> favor. Small favor. Just small well, favor. Uh, small one. We'll, we'll both go over on my yacht. <laughs> yes. There we go. I like, I like your thinking. You're on the same page. Hey, fun to have you on the show as always. I love chatting with you. Uh, there was one question about the Olympics I meant to ask you. Um, I'm now totally blanking on it, but anyway, I guess it wasn't that important. But congratulations to your son on a tremendous career and your family. Um, I know everybody has been successful, and it's wonderful to see. Uh, next time you listen to one of my games, you better text me, just for the record. Well, for sure. Um, I, didn't know. I didn't want to interrupt you. No, please. Now I will. That, that, now sh- I will. that game was interruptible, as you know. That was interruptible. Uh, we also didn't have very good broadcast that day. We had a, a production crew who was not giving us replays, so we were dying badly. Um, but, hey, appreciate the time. Love the chat. Thanks for working through the technical glitches as well. Uh, hopefully the internet comes back to you so you can watch some more basketball. As always, you know this. Darn it. You know this well. We give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you have that you'd like to share with those tuned in? Yeah, and before I thank you, Dave, which I always think so important, I, I, I just think that uh, I, I just want to praise the coaches and the kids uh, for what they've done this year. It's it's been hard. It's and I know it's really hard on them and the inconsistencies, the what ifs, the what's going on tomorrow, and everything else. And yet they've persisted. And again, you know, the games have just been phenomenal to watch. Thank you for that. And but just thank you for your persistence. I mean, I just, you know, phenomenal show by, by division three basketball, getting through what they're getting through and, yeah. and playing the type of basketball they're playing. And then finally, certainly, uh, you know, this is, uh, it's just so important. I just think we need to keep recognizing the work that you do, uh, to make this thing work because, yeah, I just think back to years ago when we didn't have a basketball representation to show what we're doing and to showcase it. And, you know, it's unbelievable now. And, and, uh, you've done that. And so well, it's, uh, God bless you. Well, I appreciate that. Obviously, Pat Coleman, Gordon, man, Ryan Scott do heavy yeah. lifting. Um, I just put my ugly mug in front of a camera. Um, <laughs> why we, we do this on video. We still don't quite understand, but, uh, it's great. We do it I, it, I, 
it's great. And, and I'm not a parent of a player. I'm not uh, a coach anymore. And I'm watching more games than you could shake. I've watched more Division three games times five than Division one games or NBA games this year. And so that's awesome. Uh, that, there's a reason for that. And you guys just do a great job. Well, thanks. Sometime we're going to come on. I want to, I want to talk all about just the, the roots of your tree. Uh, we'll talk about that sometime, but that'll be for another time. Uh, and maybe we'll get you on later in the season because I want to get your take on teams. Okay, man. And listen, check your vote. If you have a vote, that's that's a seed. We can yeah, grow apparently. a tree out of that seed. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I'm going to need to do some heavy lifting. Need to go look into it. Hey, thanks for the All time, right. sir. I really appreciate it. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Dave Hickson joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Really cool to hear from him. Sorry for the tech glitches, but that that was fun. Um, we're going to take a break. I've started up the Zoom meeting to see if anybody's joining us for the happy hour. Nobody's gotten in there yet. Not worried. I'm not worried. Curious, but not worried. I'm curious who's going to join us. Um, and we're going to just sit back and chat D3 here for the uh, end of the show. Uh, Ryan Scott already tweeted out the fact. He says the worst part about being a couple hours behind the marathon, besides being a couple hours behind the marathon, in my opinion, is realizing it's not live for me to send Dave uh, questions to certain people. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a disadvantage. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, like I said, great talk uh, ahead. and Just let our hair down and, and enjoy celebrating Division Three. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More after this.